It's time to accelerate. Hi, I'm your host, Andy Paul. Join me as I host conversations with the leading experts in sales, marketing, sales automation, sales process, leadership, management, training, coaching, any resource that I believe to help you accelerate the growth of your sales, your business, and most importantly, you. Hello and welcome to the show. I am so excited to be joined today by Aaron Walker. Aaron is a successful businessman, serial entrepreneur, life coach, and mentor who teaches people how to live lives of success and, more importantly, significance. You know, for far too many people, life is about just going through the motions and checking the boxes. You know, they sleepwalk through their daily existence, following a routine that was maybe prescribed by somebody else, and they wonder why they aren't happy and why they seem to be lacking direction and purpose and why they can't achieve or why they haven't achieved more in the time they've spent. So, it doesn't have to be that way. And my guest today, Aaron Walker, is going to help us sort that all out. Aaron, welcome to the show. Hey, Andy. Thanks, man. I appreciate you having me on. So take a minute and introduce yourself, please. Yeah, I'm a native Nashvilleian. I'm uh, 55 years old now, so I've been here a long time in Nashville. I've grown eight successful businesses. Uh, retired, my wife says, more than the law allows three different times. <laughs> my first time was at 27 years old. My second time was at 40. And then I retired again at 50, and here I'm back now doing View from the Top, where I help ordinary men become extraordinary. And so I've had a very interesting and diverse background, starting at 13 years old, starting my first business at 18. So I've been an entrepreneur a long time, Andy, and I'd like to break down a little bit about some of our successes and uh, also about some of the significance that I try to teach people to gain each and every day. So what was that first business? Yeah, I was in the pawn shop business from the time I was 18 you years start, old. You started a pawn shop at 18? Yeah, I did. Oh, my goodness. I did. You got to hear the backstory real yeah, quick. Yeah, yeah. So I'm 13 years old. My dad said, hey, won't you help me remodel this pawn shop in Madison? I said, let's do it, man. If I can make some money, I'm all in. So we go and we remodel the pawn shop. And I'm 13. And uh, the guy is 23 years old that's opening the pawn shop. Herb Berry's his name. And I said, listen, I go to school down the street. And I live a mile from here. So on Saturdays and after school, won't you hire me to sweep and clean up? He said, you're hired. <laughs> that was the length <laughs> of the interview. It lasted 10 seconds. And so I started doing that and fell in love with that business. And then at 15 years old, I decided to go to summer school and night school. I was able to graduate. I had enough credits at the beginning of my junior year of high school to get out. So junior, senior year, I didn't have to go but one class. And then I worked every day, and a couple of guys in the insurance business was coming in buying diamonds and gold from me, and they were hedging against inflation. Mm -hmm. And so I went to them one day and said, listen, my family's very broke. <laughs> we don't have any money. You know, we live in an 800-square-foot house. There's four kids, and my dad's a general contractor. He's probably never made over $15,000 a year in his life. But he's a great man. He's a great dad. He just is a terrible businessman. We just didn't have any money. And he said, are you serious? You're 18. And I said, yeah. He said, and you're approaching us to go in business. And I said, yep, that's exactly right. So we started talking. And next thing I know, we formed a partnership. And uh, I've got $150,000 we'd gone to the bank and borrowed. They wanted my name on the line. And so I didn't have anything to lose. So, yeah, I'll sign. <laughs> so we, you're uh, judgment, judgment proof yeah, at that point. Uh, right. And so uh, my mom said, listen, uh, they'll go after them. They won't come after you. And so I formed this partnership. And uh, those guys, I'll never forget it. They handed me the checkbook. I had $150,000 in it. And they said, go open the pawn shop. I remember going, leaving the bank and getting in my car. I wanted to throw up. <laughs> I was so nervous, Andy. I was like, oh, what do I do now? 
And so I did. I went out and negotiated a lease uh, in the Crescent Plaza Shopping Center in Inglewood and opened a business. And Andy, it did great. It was amazing, man. But we worked hard. And uh, Robin and I got married two weeks out of high school. And so we were doing this together. And uh, we decided to kind of delay gratification. We said, you know what? We could spend all this money now, but we're going to put it back into the business. And we did. We lived very intentional, uh, very thought out. And uh, that was pretty amazing considering we were 19 and 20 years old. And But we did. We poured all the money back into the business, and we opened three additional stores in Nashville. When I was 27, Cash America in Fort Worth, Texas, came to Nashville. They wanted to grow, and they were doing that through acquisitions. Mm-hmm. They made an offer to me, and uh, I told them I wasn't for sale. And we continued to go through the exercise. And finally, they said, if you were going to sell it, what would you take? And I said, well, I'll get rid of them. And I gave them a number, and they said, we'll take it. And I said, well, praise the Lord. I said, are you serious? <laughs> or you and said, they, oh, gosh, I should have asked for more. <laughs> they, I know. I thought that. And so anyway – to, uh, to kind of further the story in three months, I was done, uh, at 27 years old. And so I thought life is good. We go to Naples, Florida, and we spend three weeks. I tried to spend the summer and I couldn't even stay down there three months. Yeah. I was going to say, I, I would think that trying to retire early played a lot yeah. into your story well, about it success and significance because it does, it does, but I didn't know it at the time. You know, I thought, well, I didn't have any money at 18 and now I can quit. And at 27, I'm playing golf every day and I'm going fishing and that was fun, you know, for a few months. And then here's what happened, Andy. I got really bored and I was getting in the bed in the middle of the day, which I don't do at all. No. I don't mean that. I mean, I was getting in the bed and my wife come woke me up after 18 months one day. And she said, you've gained 50 pounds and you're depressed. I'm depressed. I'm bored. She said, you got to do something. So I went back to the pawn shop I started with and I said, Herb, let's, uh, let me work here a day a week. He goes, you already broke. <laughs> I said, no, I'm not broke, but I got to have something to do. So I started doing that for a couple of months. I said, Hey, let's go into partnership. So I bought half the business and, uh, we spent the next 10 years. We quadrupled that business over the next 10 years. I worked three days a week. He worked the other three and it was a great, great opportunity. But then my life changed forever. July 1st, excuse me, August 1st, 2001, I'm driving to the office. I'm 40 years old and things are good. It's hot in Nashville, you know, in August and I'm driving and a pedestrian was crossing the street, didn't look my way, ran out in front of me and I hit and killed him I'm right there. He was catching the bus and uh, it really rocked my world, needless to say. Yeah, how could it not? And so I went and called Robin and she was in Florida with our kids on a mission trip with our church and she came on home. And so anyway, the next couple of days were kind of a blur. And so we sat down when I got my legs back under me and I said, you know what? I'm, I'm tired of chasing money. I've been working hard since I was 13. I'm 40. I'm, I'm done. I'm quitting completely. Went to dinner with my partner and we worked out a deal and I sold him the business and Robin and I spent the next uh, five years traveling. We traveled extensively, and we uh, built a new house in the process, kind of give me something to do. And then, <laughs> let's fast forward. She goes, you're getting fat and lazy again. It's time to go back to work. So we went into the construction business, and we had a very successful construction company. We took it to number one three consecutive years here in Middle Tennessee. Uh, we built high-end residence and small commercial. And then at 50, I retired for my third time, 
And uh, a buddy of mine, Dan Miller, he has 48 days to the work he loves in my mastermind group. And um, he said, Aaron, you can't just sit on the front porch and rock yourself into an oblivion. And I said, no, nah, I know. And he said, come and do innovate and start coaching. And I said, I'm not coaching anybody. And he said, no, you need to coach. So I said, okay. So I went to it and he texted me on the way home that night. He goes, man, those guys were leaning in to you. Did you notice at your table? And I said, well, I tell good stories. And he said, no, you've got eight successful businesses under your belt. You and Robin have been married 35 years. He said, you need to coach. So Dave Ramsey and I are best friends and have been since 1995. And I was in Dave's mastermind group. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. He said, Aaron, come and do Entree Leadership Mastery Series. It'll be my gift to you. And I thought, well, that's pretty cool. That's a $10,000 gift. He said, come and do it. See if you like it. So I went, and Andy, it, I, it was unbelievable how much I enjoyed that. And I thought I was going to quit. Here I am going to coach. And so I started coaching a couple of guys. Now, you know, here I am, 55 now. We've got national and international clients. We have three mastermind groups of guys all over the world. I started the community. It's kind of our tribe. People are joining. We're sharing resources. We're holding each other accountable. And, Andy, I've never in my life had so much fun as I'm having today. And it's just been phenomenal helping ordinary men become extraordinary. All right. So let's break it down. You, you talk about helping people lead lives of success and significance. Now, uh, to me, those are pretty subjective terms, right? So how do you define success and significance in the work you have with your clients? Well, I think you've got to do that individually because you can't lay a blanket over everybody and say, this is success, right? I mean, you just can't do that. So for me, I had to decide for Aaron, what is success? What does that even look like? And for me, it's like one really big thing for me is choosing my own schedule. Mm -hmm. I, I love to get up and decide I'm going to do this or that. Now, let's be real honest here. I love financial freedom. You know, I'd be lying. Yeah, you know, I hate to hear people with money say, "Oh, money doesn't matter." I want to go liar. It does matter. <laughs> it does matter. That's why they. That's why they can say yeah. that, right? Yeah. Let's take it away from you and see how important it is. Or you do this service for me for free, and it's like, no, no. I said, well, yeah, you're recanting now. Let's just say it. There's nothing wrong with making money. I mean, I love to make money, so I like to have the financial freedom that goes along with it. But what's really, really important to me along with those things, is having an engaging family and meaningful relationships. And I'm all about family, man. My two daughters work for me. I've Brooke and Holly, one's 29, one's 33, and they're in my office, and we get to share each day together, and that's really fun. Uh, an engaging family, you know, without it, uh, life can be pretty hollow. And so for me, that's really, really important. Meaningful relationships. I don't want to be friends with everybody, but the people I'm friends with, I want to be authentic. I want it to be genuine. I want it to be real. And so I really invest hard in relationships. Other things for me that are successful is being able to be content, but not be complacent. And for me, I don't want to be that guy that says, I'll be happy when, you know, mm -hmm. if I just make a little more, then I'll be happy. Or if I get that, then I'll be happy. And I encourage people that happiness is a choice, not a trait. And we can elect to be content presently, yet keeping the pedal to the metal and let's go forward. There's nothing wrong with going forward, but let's enjoy today. And that wreck kind of brought that to my attention. It's like, we may not have tomorrow. We may not have five years from now. What are we going to do then? And so I think there's a certain amount that we need to enjoy today and choose today to be happy and not when I get that. When I get over there, 
one more promotion, one more business, one more, you fill in the blank. And so for me, that's success. But the big thing for me now, okay, so you get a little bit of money, you can be successful and you don't have to worry about paying, you know, the electric bill. Right. So that, that's a great feeling. But then I started thinking my legacy when I had that wreck would have been, he was successful. You know, he had a beach house in Destin and we had a mountain home, you know, at one point in Gatlinburg and we had, you know, a nice house. I mean, that was good. And I don't want to take away from that. I love those things. But I said, I've not done anything for others. My significance is absolutely zero. And I started looking at that saying, well, what is significance to me? I mean, what can I do? And I said, I can reach out and meet the needs of others. And this is so fun because we do it so intentional now. We'll do little random acts of kindness. I mean, all the time, like we're looking for things to do for people. I went in Starbucks the other day. It was 7 o'clock in the morning. I was meeting a guy there. and There was this lady, two persons ahead of me. This lady was asking 4 million questions, Andy. It was like, what do you, can you do with this? And I'm thinking, oh, my Lord, lady, this is Starbucks. Their menus never change. Just order something. My attitude was terrible. And all of a sudden I thought, I got to get a hold of this. I got, you know, Carol Dweck in her book Mindset talks about you can control your mind. So you, I, I got to get a grip on it. Mm -hmm. So the guy ahead of me orders his coffee and I tapped him on the shoulder. I said, hey, get anything you want. And he goes, what? I said, I, I've got you. He goes, why? And I said, I just want to bless you. And he goes, no, really, why? <laughs> He's suspicious, right? So the lady, the lady ahead of him leaves. And I said, you want to know the truth? And he said, yeah. I said, that lady ahead of you, I wanted to shoot her. <laughs> I said, I was let, that lady is getting on my nerves. And he started laughing. I said, I got to do something quick, you know, to change my attitude, to get my mindset where it needs to be. And that's positive. So I'm going to buy your coffee. So it started a really cool conversation. He said, that's pretty interesting. He said, uh, do you do that often? And I said, quite honestly, I, I look for opportunities to do this. I mean, I'm always picking up people's meals and stuff. And he goes, you know, that's cool. He said, I'm going to start doing that. I love that approach. So two weeks later, I'm in the same Starbucks. I do it to the guy behind me. And here's the fun part, Andy. He goes, why? And I said, because I want to. I just want to do something <laughs> nice for you. He said, that is so awesome. Thank you. And so I got his coffee, and I'm leaving. So I'm walking out the door, and I hear that guy telling the cashier, hey, I got the three people behind me. And I'm like, yes, that is so cool. See, here's the thing. You can be a butt to somebody, and that's probably what you're going to get back. And I've done little exercises where I'll smile at people intentionally, and they'll smile back. But yeah, when you look I, I do that as solemnly, well. Right? You look at them solemnly, that's what you get back. Yeah, I do, see, that. I do that when I go running. So I, 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 say, I say hi to everybody I when I go by. And they smile and they laugh and they say hi back or they'll wave, you know. But you give them that solemn look and look at them, you know, like, you know, I'm going to, you know. And they'll give you that look back. Well, it's the same way in greetings, random acts of kindness. We take our grandchildren to Waffle House. They love to eat at Waffle House. Mm -hmm. I got five grandkids and anonymously we'll pick out tables and say, give us this check and this check, you know, and, and they love it because they're learning to be generous. They're reaching out in the meeting and the needs of other people. And they don't even realize that they're gaining this heart of generosity. People say, well, Aaron, if I had your money, I would do that too. And I say, you know what? You probably wouldn't because money magnifies what's in the heart. It doesn't change it. And if you're not doing these things today in some small scale, five bucks for a cup of coffee or a note, you know, or 
a phone call just to check on people or just little small random acts of kindness? Why do you think you would give $50,000 to some college? Or why do you think you, you wouldn't? See, it's a matter of the heart. We've mm-hmm. got to train ourselves to be genuine. And then listening intently to people, you know, stop waiting your turn to talk. I mean, like really engage people. That's significant. Helping others that can't repay us. That's the other thing that we do intentionally, and I have through eight successful businesses, is that we look for opportunities to do things for people so that our motivation isn't skewed. See, I could say, Andy, I'm going to do this for Andy because he's going to connect me with Billy that's got this big podcast. And my motivations are not pure. But if I go, Andy, I'm going to introduce you to somebody that would be a great guest for you. It would be beneficial to you. I have no motivation. And so it's just a mindset, Andy, that we can do to reach out to help people, give them beyond the minimal requirements, not just enough to get by and having the foresight to invest long term in people's lives so that it could potentially impact generations to come. It's just a whole different mindset in being significant. Very much so. Okay, we're going to great stuff. I hate to break. We're going to take a short break. We'll be right back with my guest, Aaron Walker. Attention, sales leaders. Would you like to give your sales team the tools to drive more quality connects, scale their outreach, and spend more time selling? Well, you can with LiveHive. Get your ROI. Try it now at LiveHive.com forward slash ROI. That's LiveHive, L-I-V-E-H-I-V-E dot com forward slash ROI. Hi, this is Andy. I have a special offer for loyal listeners of Accelerate. It's a no-obligation, free trial of my zero-time selling interactive online training. Now, I've worked with thousands of sales reps to teach them how to use my zero-time selling to boost their productivity and transform the results. And so if you want to learn the same proven strategies to help you open more doors, have more effective sales conversations with prospects, and close more orders, then my zero-time selling interactive training system is a fit for you. It's incredibly simple to start. Just take out your smartphone and text the word TRUST, that's T-R-U-S-T, to 96000. Now, do you have your phone ready? Send a text to 96000. That's a 9 and a 6 followed by three zeros. Now, enter the single word message TRUST and hit send, and you hear right back from me with instructions on how to sign up for your free trial on my zero-time selling interactive training. I look forward to seeing you there. So welcome back to the show. My guest today, Aaron Walker. We're talking about leading a life of success and significance, and you can find out more about him at viewfromthetop.com. So Aaron, I have a question. This is sort of a little bit of a digression question, but it's a qu- I'm curious to get your answer because you're a successful entrepreneur, and I ask this question of all my guests. So it's a hypothetical scenario, but I think it sort of a little bit ties into what we're talking about today is, is you're brought in as a new manager in a company that's businesses are falled, you know, fallen and stalled, if you will, and they desperately need to be turned around. So what would be the two things you'd do the first week if you were new on the job taking over this company? What are the two things you'd do the first week that have the biggest impact? Well, the first thing I would do is absolutely nothing to try to grow the business, zero. What I would try to do is to get to know the people, and I would invest an inordinate amount of time in going to lunch, having dinner, getting to know the people that were there. I would learn a little bit more about the history of the company is the first thing that I would absolutely do in order to promote growth. Then I would build a general consensus. 
because leaders that are leading from an ivory tower without the soldiers, if you will, on the ground uh, are really going to be short-lived. And so I would buy, I would have buy-in. And I do that with like a mastermind group, if you will. Mm-hmm. I would get the people together and we would share ideas and thoughts and we would talk round table discussion about things because the people that have been doing it the longest for the most part would know what would make them more successful. Historically, a lot of the downfalls of the companies are because people are being told to do something that they don't want to do to begin with. So I'm a big believer in getting to know the people. And the second thing is, is drawing a general consensus. Like it. Great answer. So when you think about helping people set their goals about defining success and significance and the work you do with them, is what is that process? How do you help them? How do you help them decide what it is that constitutes success in their life or what constitutes you know, significance in their life? Yeah. Well, as we said earlier, there's no way to make a blanket statement right. that right. this is success or significance. We each have to decide that for ourselves. So how do you help them do that? So I wrote what's called a personal assessment to where we really dig into your ideals and your identity, your relationships, your faith, your career, your family. And we really ask pointed questions related to who you are. You've got to discover who you are first and foremost. The second thing that I've done is another document I've written, and it's called, What Do I Want? And pointed questions on there as well. Andy, if I were to ask you today, if there were no geographic limitations or financial uh, hardships or burdens whatsoever that were lifted from you and you had no financial restraints, what would you do with your life tomorrow? And most people don't know the answer to that question. Oh, I know because, the answer. Yeah, you do, but I'm saying most people <laughs> don't know what they would do because right. they're just grinding it out, right? And then what goals do you have in 30 days that are written? Because if it's not written, it's just a dream, right? It's not a goal. I agree. And, what are the things you're going to do in five years or 10 years or when you're an empty nest? How much money do you want to make? A lot of people say, well, I asked someone yesterday that's pretty close to me, and I said, uh, how much money do you want to make in the next five years? Well, I don't have any idea. I said, well, how do you know how you're going to, what are you going to do to get to what you want? I don't know. I've never thought about that. So Robin and I did this intentionally. We said when we make this much money in certain things, we're going to do this or we're going to buy this. It was very intentional, not accidental. That's the biggest problem. People are not intentional. The things that we want to bestow upon our children, areas that we want to travel. There's things that we do very intentional and it's very strategic in nature, but we plan it and we write it down. The third thing is I wrote steps to a productive day. It's kind of a to-do list on steroids. I'm very methodical. I'm real regimented. I'm pretty boring, actually, Andy, if you want to know the truth in regards to my regiment. But it's proven to be very, very successful. Consistency is one of the best tools you could possibly have. And so I wrote this Steps to a Productive Day where it starts you out methodically and regimented in the mornings, and you go through your process, things that are important that need to be accomplished, any social media you need to do, things that you promised your spouse you would do, work. It's very, very deliberate. And really, successful days equate to a successful life. And so these three documents I've put on a landing page, viewfromthetop.com forward slash accelerate. If you'll go there, I'm going to give them to each person that's listening. I've taken the prices off, and I want to give you the personal assessment, what do I want, steps to a productive day. That sounds like a great offer. So I love this whole concept about being deliberate because I'm in my most recent book I titled Amp Up Your Sales, really is one of the themes. And one of the things I see as a problem in business and sales in particular is that 
people in life have become sort of overly scripted. And as a result, they're just sort of going through the motions. And customers wonder, and the salespeople in the sales industry wonders why you know, only 50% of salespeople make quota. And why customers, the research showing, you know, customers are increasingly frustrated by salespeople. They're not adding any value to the process that they're going through themselves. It's because, again, they're not being present for their customer. They're not being deliberate in the choices they make about how to deal and build a relationship with that customer. Well, you have to do that intentionally. It's what we've been talking about the whole time. It's very intentional. We have like a Google document, and we specify the people that we want to interact with. We have a date next to them, that our last interaction, the person's name, their phone number, their email, their birth date, their anniversary. I mean, we know as much about these people as they know about themselves. And we go through a process where we're very deliberate about reaching out, giving swag gifts, you know, little token gifts, little acknowledgments and handwritten cards. And we'll sit in front of the computer and do video endorsements, or we'll go to LinkedIn and we'll do endorsements on LinkedIn without people asking us for this. Cause I get tons of requests for it, but if you want to make a real impact, you do these things I'm talking about before anyone asks you for it, it makes an indelible impression on your clients and you can grow your business beyond any wildest imagination that you could have, but it's all very intentional. Hmm. Well, interesting question for you then is, is on your website and here today, you've talked about that you're really focused on providing these services to men. So yeah, what nothing, nothing against women, you know, <laughs> women are fine, but it's just the niche market I've elected to uh, focus in on are men because I've been involved in accountability groups, men's leadership programs, mastermind groups. Uh, I deal with men. And uh, I'm pretty uh, to the point. And my wife said that I make women cry. <laughs> she said. And so I've elected to deal with men. Uh, everything is applic applicable that I teach. You know, it's gender neutral. So everyone can do this. But just the one-on-one, -on -one, the interaction, the mastermind groups that I facilitate, the community that I have, my tribe, they're all men. Everything that we do is related to around men because I've built a niche market. Greg McCowan wrote a great book called Essentialism. And he talks about getting the non-essentials out of our life and mm -hmm. focusing on the vital few things that are important. So the shiny object syndrome is kind of gone for me because I sit and decide uh, beforehand the things I'm going to do. I just left Chicago last week. I spent three days up there planning for 2016. I know the blogs I'm going to write, the webinars I'm going to teach, the masterminds I'm going to start, the book titles I'm going to read, the guests I'm going to interview. It's all scripted. And now all I have to do is execute. So everything we do is very, very deliberate. And so I chose to deal with men because Iron Sharpens Iron is the name of our mastermind groups. Uh, just as Iron Sharpens Iron, so one man sharpens another. And that's what we've elected to do. Nothing against women. I'm not a male chauvinist or anything. I've just elected to work with men. Interesting. So for I think for people that are listening, that maybe they're not familiar with this concept of mastermind groups, right? So explain what you do in a mastermind group. Yeah. In uh, 1995, I met this guy that was starting a radio show, wanted me to advertise on his show. And uh, I never heard of him. And uh, I said, no, thank you. I'm not interested. And he said, well, what if I give you advertising for a week? Would you at least try it? I said, well, that's pretty confident, you know, if he's going to give me advertising. And so I did. Three days into the week, I called him and I said, listen, these people have drank the Kool-Aid. I don't know what you're doing, but I'm interested. So we signed a contract with him for a year to advertise on his show every day. That was my first encounter with Dave Ramsey. Mm -hmm. 
and uh, Dave was on one station here in Nashville, and uh, and you know, nobody had ever even heard of him. And so shortly thereafter, he called me one day and he said, "Listen, I want you to join my mastermind group." I said, "You're what?" And he goes, "My mastermind group." I said, "You know what a mastermind group is?" And he goes, "Well, come check it out." So I went, and Dan Miller was in there. He has forty eight days to the work you love, and. Ken Abraham was one of the members. He's got over a hundred books in print now. He's seven times number one New York Times bestseller. Uh, he's written some phenomenal books. My point, though, in telling you this, those guys weren't who they are today then, and the collective energy of these guys have taken them to another level. And there is nothing more true than you are a result of the five people that you spend the most time with. Absolutely, without a question. They encourage you, they motivate you, they incentivize you, they're trusted advisors. You know, the the mastermind IQ is normally genius, you know, because you got smart guys in there to begin with, and you put all that together and you've got a general consensus at that point. And they're people that are not in any way gonna benefit or lose by the suggestion that they give you. And by doing that, they'll give you an honest answer. If they have nothing to win or lose, why would they not tell you the truth? And so you develop a relationship and a rapport with those people. And when you need it, you get the encouragement. And when you need to slow down, they slow you down or they'll get you back in the center of the road. And so there was times in my life where I was having a really tough time. And Andy, I'm sure you've been there as well. Anyone lives long enough, you're going to have difficult times. Well, these guys jerk you back where you need to be, or they push you on, or they won't allow you to stay there. And you develop these relationships. We read together. I've read hundreds of books with these guys. The the resources they give you, the relationships they give you, it's just immeasurable. I I mean, it's been a game changer for me, without a question, 100%. It's been a game changer for me. And that's why I started them. And now I facilitate these groups with men all over the world because I want their life to be radically changed just as mine has. Very interesting. Well, we're going to the last segment of our show where I got some rapid fire questions for you. And you can give me one word answers or you can elaborate as you wish. Ready? Come on. So what's the most powerful sales tool in your own arsenal? Well, it's doing it deliberately. As I said, fall ago, we're very methodical in our approach and we do it very deliberate. So who's your business role model? Dan Miller. Why? Yeah, because he is very forward thinking. He's 68 years old now. He's very positive. He's energetic. Uh, he thinks outside the box. Uh, he's an inspirer. Uh, He's taught me to not give over two weeks consideration to any decision that I make. Uh, he is absolutely the catalyst in me being a life and business coach. So what's the one book that everybody in business should read? How to Win Friends and Influence People. Napoleon Hill. Carnegie. Yep. Oh, no, oh, Carnegie. Carnegie. I'm sorry. I was, I was thinking of Think and Grow yep. Rich. I said, yeah. Yep. Carnegie. <laughs> Carnegie. Okay. It, it, it ought to be required reading. <laughs> I helped a guy go from two million to four million gross sales in eighteen months by reading that book. What did he learn? What was it in the book that? Okay, I got to tell you the story because it's worth. Go ahead. Telling. Go. So uh, I have a client, thirty-one years old, in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and uh, he heard me on an interview and he called me and he said, "Hey, I, I want you to coach me." So I flew to Tulsa, evaluated his business. He did two million in gross sales, you know, over about eleven-year uh, period. Uh, he'd been in business in the last year before he hired me, he did 2 million. So I went in and I said, what do you do all day, every day? And he showed me and I said, you're in the wrong seat. Uh, Carnegie, I mean, uh, uh, Collins in his book, good to great says, mm-hmm. we got to be in the right seat. You're in the wrong seat. I said, you're 
abilities, you need to be out in sales. You don't need to be here doing these quotes. So we hired a guy, took his place, paid him $80,000 a year to do, uh, do what he was doing. And he was a nervous wreck. He said, this is crazy. And I said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to read this book, how to win friends and influence people. And then when you get through with it, give me a call. So he did. So here's what you're going to do. I want you to get a list of all your past clients and I want you to get a list of all your future clients. And I want you to call them and make appointments to have lunch with them. I want you to do three a week. And after you've read the book, you call me. So he did. And he started setting the appointments and he said, what do I do? <clears throat> I said, you go and you do exactly what the book says. You ask about Andy, you know, how's Miss Paul doing? How's accelerate? How's your business? How's your cat, your dog, everything going good. And do not ask them for business. He goes, you're crazy. <laughs> I said, you trust me? He goes, okay, man, I'll give it a try. So he did it for a couple of weeks and he called me and he said, Hey, this guy hadn't done business with in years. He gave me a $125,000 job. And I said, that's pretty cool. Keep doing it. So he did. Month went by and he called me and he goes, I got a $400,000 job uh, out of a past guy that I did business with. And I said, have you asked anybody for business? He goes, no. I said, keep building the relationships. So anyway, he calls me, make a long story short, three or four months after that. And he goes, I can't do all the work. And I said, okay, now it's time that we're hiring more people. So we hired new operators. He's in the excavation business. Mm -hmm. We hire new operators. And then since then, we started looking at his personal situation. He owed 180000 on his house. We paid it off. He owed five fifty, five hundred fifty thousand on his business. We paid it off. And now he's 33 years old. Uh, he's got you know, a dozen-plus people working for him. He's doing $4 million a year in business as a result of getting involved in people's lives, following up with their relationship, getting involved in listening to people and stop waiting his turn to talk right? Mm -hmm. He's really engaging with these people. And now they know he's really interested in me and they're giving him business. It can, you can do this in any business. We do it every day. We sit here every day and do these endorsements and we lift people up and we connect them. It's about looking outward that makes you successful, not inward. And so that's one testament to one person. Love it. Love it. Here's a random question. What's your favorite music? Jazz. Kenny G is my favorite. I listen. G, okay. You know what's funny? I've never told what I'm about to tell uh, on any interview. And I've done a lot of interviews. I've never told this, but when, I've never been asked that question. But you've never read anything that I've written that I wasn't listening to Kenny G when I wrote. <laughs> now that's going to be in my head when I'm reading what you write. I know. I know. I just love it. And so I put up, you know what? I found that out by accident. My grandkids were at the house one day and I couldn't think. And so I put my headphones on and turned on music where to drown them out. And it put me in another spot. And I'm like, oh, this is awesome. I sat there and wrote, I can write forever. Just listening. I saw Kenny G, a friend of mine heard this and he bought me second roll center stage tickets to see Kenny G here in Nashville at the Skimmerhorn, and it was awesome. Anybody <laughs> want to send me a gift, send me some Kenny G, <laughs> Kenny G tickets. That's funny. I, I have a similar thing with, with jazz. I, I like this jazz pianist, Keith Jarrett. Mm. And when I put that music on, it's like a Pavlovian response. I start writing. Well, so there you go. Right? I mean, you are brothers by another mother. There we go. <laughs> so last question for you. What's the one question you get asked most frequently by people you're talking to? 
you know, everybody says, how did you, you know, become successful? You know, I mean, that's just kind of a generic question that I get asked a lot. And by all the things that I've just told you is the answer. Mm -hmm. Uh, and the biggest number one key is consistency and build relationships intentionally. Love it. Well, Aaron, I want to thank you for joining me today. My guest today has been Aaron Walker, founder of View from the Top. Aaron, how can people find out more about you? Yeah, just go to viewfromthetop.com and uh, get involved in our community, one-on-one uh, -on -one coaching, the mastermind groups. If you really want to participate and take your life to the next level, join the mastermind group. I'd love to be your facilitator. Uh, watch out for me next year, 2016. My new book is coming out, An Eagle's View. And, when's, that, uh, when's that coming out? Yeah, 2016. You know, I, I don't want to give a date yet, but <laughs> it'll be towards the end of 2016. All right, good. Well, thank you for joining me. It's been awesome. All right, thank you. So remember, friends, make it a part of your day every day to deliberately learn something new to help you accelerate your success. And make sure you don't miss any of our conversations with top business experts like our guest today, Aaron Walker, who share their experience and expertise about how to accelerate the growth of your business and gain some success and significance in your life as well. So thanks for joining us. Until next time, this is Andy Paul. Good selling, everyone. Thanks for listening to the show. If you like what you heard and want to make sure you don't miss any upcoming episodes, please subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or Stitcher.com. For more information about today's guest, visit my website at andypaul.com.